The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Looks like the beginning of a very volatile week after central bankers from both the U.S. and Europe signaled that interest rates will likely stay higher for longer. Speaking at the Jackson Hole Symposium, Chair Jay Powell said monetary policy will stay restrictive until inflation is moving more firmly toward the Fed's 2% target. Based on this assessment, we will proceed carefully as we decide whether to tighten further or instead to hold the policy rate constant and await further data. Now, that is Chair Jay Powell. He went on to note that the American economy may not be cooling as fast as some had expected. He went on to say that could, in turn, put further pressure on inflation, right, and perhaps warrant further tightening. We also heard from the head of the ECB, Christine Lagarde. She vowed to set borrowing costs as high as necessary and leave them there until inflation in the eurozone is back under the ECB's goals. Separately, we heard also from the BOJ Governor Kuwaita. He did not comment on foreign exchange uh, rates. Now that takes us to uh, some news here in the States and a possible legal settlement by 3M to resolve hundreds of thousands of lawsuits over defective combat earplugs. The story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Sources say 3M has agreed to pay more than $5.5 billion to resolve the more than 300,000 lawsuits. This could help the company avoid a much bigger liability that 3M had tried to curb through a controversial bankruptcy case that ultimately collapsed. Carl Tobias, law professor at the University of Richmond, says it looks like in this case, 3M negotiated a pretty good deal for itself. And 3M could use the legal quiet on this front because it also faces thousands of other lawsuits over so-called forever chemicals, and that could cost way more than the earplug suits to resolve. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is in Beijing today with an aim of boosting business ties with China. It's a four-day visit, the first by a U.S. Commerce Secretary in seven years. Now, Raimondo is seeking to expand business ties with China despite very, very high tensions. Now, we know that the Chinese economy has been slowing. That may make Beijing a little bit more receptive to Washington's message. And we're hearing that Raimondo is expected to announce work groups on export controls and U.S.-Chinese commercial relations in spite of a wave of criticism from congressional Republicans. Meantime, China has lowered the stamp duty on stock trades for the first time since 2008. We have more from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. 
China's Ministry of Finance said it will have the one-tenth of one percent levy as of today. The nation has also pledged to slow the pace of initial public offerings. That's among a slew of new measures to woo investors back to its flagging equities market. Regulators have also cut handling fees on stock transactions. They prodded mutual fund managers to increase purchases of their own equity funds and encouraged companies to do more share buybacks. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I want to point out that industrial profits in China fell in July, but not as bad as in the month prior. Profits last month down at a rate of 6.7% compared to last year. That compares with a decline in June of 8.3%. So you might say some improvement, yes. However, we know the recovery in China remains challenged and deflation does remain a risk. Inflation is obviously the story in the States. The yield on the two-year Treasury finished the week at 5.07%. That was after Jay Powell stressed the Fed's intention to remain restrictive, keeping rates high until inflation comes down to the Fed's 2% target. Even so, he did suggest that the Fed could hold rates steady at the September meeting. Now, Bloomberg's Liz McCormick was saying on Friday, Powell has the bond market exactly where he wants it, lacking conviction as to the Fed's next steps. Meantime, Bloomberg opinion columnist Mohamed El Arian was saying Powell has retained maximum policy optionality. Let's get a look at global news next. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he will promote American natural gas exports when he meets with his group of seven parliamentary speakers in Japan. While on Fox News' Sunday morning futures, McCarthy said replacing Russian national gas with natural gas with U.S. gas for just one year would lower 218 billion tons of CO2 emissions as U.S. gas is cleaner than Russia's. The speaker says energy policies would be on the agenda of the meeting as Europe continues to look to wean itself off of Russian energy. Imprisoned Australia Australian pro-democracy blogger Dr. Yang Hengjun fears he could die in a Chinese prison after a 10-centimeter cyst was found on his kidney. Yang supporters are demanding that Australia's government do more to try to gain Yang's release. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is scheduled to meet with Xi Jinping on the sidelines of the G20 summit in India in a few weeks, with Albanese expected to then visit Beijing later this year. Dr. Yang, along with Australian journalist Sheng Lei, were imprisoned after being tried in secret on national security charges. Florida is bracing for Tropical Storm Idalia, which is expected to make landfall as a hurricane as soon as Wednesday. Currently, Idalia is drifting east off the coast of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula with top winds of 40 miles an hour. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has already declared a state of emergency in 33 counties, mostly along the Gulf Coast. DeSantis says to expect some disruptions. Floridians along our Gulf Coast should be vigilant, even if you're currently outside the cone, and indeed you could see impacts uh, if you are in a place that's outside the cone. Adalia's winds are expected to reach around 90 miles per hour when it hits landfall Wednesday, which would make it a Category 1 hurricane on a five-step scale. Former President Trump has been cashing in on his arrest in Georgia as his campaign says they have raised $7.1 million in donations just since Thursday. That includes, by the way, $4.18 million just on Friday. Trump's campaign has raised almost $20 million in three weeks, which covers recent indictments in Georgia as well as Washington. Trump, who is the first president to ever have a mugshot taken, has been using the image to sell merchandise such as T-shirts, coffee mugs, as well as posters. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman. This is Bloomberg. 
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Danny, thank you. Let's get to uh, James Abate. He is our guest. James is Managing Director, also the Chief Investment Officer at Center Asset Management. He joins us uh, from here in New York. James, it's always a pleasure. We had the Powell speech on Friday. Not really much of a surprise, but yields nonetheless drifted up a bit. Uh, what do you think we're dealing with in terms of a bond market right now for the next six months? Will we remain in the range that we're trapped in now um, and elevated as we are at the moment? Yeah, I think You've seen bond volatility come down, but um, I think we're going to see, you know, further evidence um, 
that the 2% target is going to remain somewhat elusive for the Federal Reserve. I mean, it's clear, let's give the Fed kudos that, you know, they've been able to, you know, bring a cyclical downturn in goods inflation. You could argue, you know, like Alan Binder has, that a lot of that was just simply, um, you know, production of transportation bottlenecks, um, you know, rectifying themselves after COVID and so forth. But nevertheless, you know, the Fed getting rates, real rates normalized to the 2% level has kept the dollar stable. Um, we need to attract capital, which means both foreign buyers of treasury and foreign direct investment. So I think overall, you know, the Fed has done a good job. And, you know, people barking about the Fed raising rates too too quickly, too, too much, too high, whatever. I mean, the people that are doing that are people who are running projects that did it make sense at a 0% cost of capital, you know, and they surely don't make sense at a 8 or 10% cost of capital. Um, you know, WeWork, you know, was an eventual bankruptcy easy to spot five years ago. I think the real issue now as we move forward is we've had interest rate crises with the regional banks. Mm. We have not yet had a credit crisis. And that really is something to be seen um, as coming months uh, evolve here. We have commercial real estate in many parts of uh, the U.S. in a serious uh, trouble at the moment. Could it be from there? But as you know, ever with these things, they always come out of left field, it seems. Well, of course. I mean, that's, you know, the corpses always come floating up to the surface of the lake, you know, when the <laughs> Fed basically is, you know, undertaking a rapid increase in uh, in real rates in particular. And again, you know, a lot of projects made no sense, particularly in the inte- intellectual property and intangible uh, area, which is where you know, bulk of investments have gone over the last decade or so. Um, real estate, obviously, has been another beneficiary. But, you know, we're back to rates that were normal. I mean, if you got a mortgage 20 years ago or 30 years ago, um, you know, this is a, a very normal environment in terms of both the nominal rate and the real rate. So we, we were in, a, in an unusual set of circumstances post the global financial crisis. And I, I give Powell credit for at least taking us out of that valley of kind of ridiculousness to a certain degree. There is still plenty of debate, though, in the bond market in particular, whether that cumulative tightening is going to spark a recession. And then, you know, we are dealing with inevitable rate cuts, let's say, at the early part of next year. Or, uh, as Bill Dudley was saying, I think, last week, that the bond market, the bull market in bonds is essentially over. Inflation is going to prove to be sticky. And then you talk about Treasury issuance. I mean, you just brought up that point. I mean, so maybe it's too soon, let's say, just to tease out one of those threads to talk about rate cuts being inevitable. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for the Fed because, again, I think they've addressed the cyclical inflation problems quite well and have been helped by the unbottling of the production and transportation issues. However, the structural issues, fiscal deficits, um, you know, there's a, a, an argument to inflate them away by raising the inflation target from 2 to 3%. Offshoring, uh, or onshoring, excuse me, is, is inherently inflationary. Um, you know, the other thing, which is the elephant in the room, which is the productivity problem, right? If you look at any measure of productivity, and the thing that we always look at, I think, is the most preferred is, you know, total factor productivity, uh, because that takes into consideration both labor as well as the capital that's been employed. And when you look at uh, the level of where we are right now, it has fallen drastically without recovering um, since COVID. 
you know, indicating that despite the trend of, you know, capital investment, mostly intangible, again, as I said, um, if you look at the amount of capital that's employed per worker, worker productivity, it just remains dismal, which by nature, unless productivity is somehow enhanced, the Fed is going to have a very hard time reaching its 2% target. So what we're getting is a situation where probably inflation also returns to the mean, if you will. And, you know, you quite rightly perhaps highlight the structural reasons why inflation is likely to be higher. Don't forget the cost of uh, decarbonization, the uh, also demographics and uh, an aging population here to play as well. And I think you alluded to the deglobalization issue as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by nature, um, you know, aging populations are disinflationary. But the onshoring and what we've seen now with regard to, you know, the geopolitical tensions that are going on, I think the, you know, the expansion of the BRICS uh, membership to uh, six new members this week is, is one of those very significant events, you know, that may present a kind of geopolitical alpha event. And I'm not saying it's, you know, it's akin to, you know, the... Anglo-Russian attente of 1907, which contributed to World War One. But, you know, we're looking at an environment here where, you know, you look at the countries that were added, Argentina with its agricultural capabilities, Egypt with the Suez Canal, Ethiopia, which has the capability to control the Horn of Africa, um, Saudi Arabia and UAE with energy production. I think, you know, people have to look at this and we have to stop thinking about checkers and start thinking about chess hmm. because, when you just step back to the earlier part of the summer, when Turkey acquiesced to Sweden's acceptance into NATO, what that essentially did is it cut off Baltic Sea access of any warm water port for Russia. So the fact that you now have, you know, the, I don't think it's a coincidence that the countries that are being added to the BRICS here, and they were selected by Russia and China, have a very significant impact on, in essence, uh, you know, capability to you know, have access to the Gulf of Aden, leading to the Arabian Sea, Suez Canal capability. This is um, this is this is one of those events that you know happens in August that sometimes we fall asleep about. But you know, the last few events that we've had with the NATO expansion and now the expansion of BRICS, and when you read into some of the details behind this, um, it's almost like the 19th century alliances chess game of hmm. uh, the G7 versus the BRICS today, and this this may have very significant geopolitical alpha capabilities or detriments to many investors' portfolios over coming years. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Thank you. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.